0: Welcome to the Faith and Fandom Podcast. As you know, the Faith and Fandom Podcast is now part of the Love Thy Nerd Network. And you can catch new interviews there first over at LoveTynerd.com/slash Faith and Fandom before you see it anywhere else. And today I am joined by Andy Field, who is a actor, voice actor, instructor, coach, Airbnb remodeler, and <laughs> um, a million other things. Andy, welcome, <clears throat> man.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. It's good to see you again.
0: It's good to see you, dude. Um, it's been a good what four years, or probably since I've seen you. I feel like,
1: oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Because
0: I feel like a... A, uh, <clears> the <throat> Avenger, the Avengers movies hadn't dropped by the la- or were dropping the last time I saw you.
1: Really? Wow. So it must have been Fayetteville Comic Con.
0: Yeah, I think was we that... uh, it was right before Fayetteville, and I think we had uh, gotten some noodles and yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember I was just looking at the shirt I got from you yesterday, and I was thinking I might wear it, but I didn't wear it, but. Uh, with the Darth Vader that says, uh,
0: oh yeah, I uh, find your like of bait disturbing,
1: yep, yep,
0: it's been probably one of the most popular things I've ever oh, made. I love,
1: I love that one. It's awesome. I've worn it to several conventions as well. So you know when I do the when I preach the nerd church service, I'll wear that. you know, it's a good Sunday shirt. yep yeah. <clears throat> so uh, Andy, uh,
0: I'd say your primary thing that you are known for as <laughs> indicated right behind you, um your voice work. Um, how did you get into voice work?
1: Well, uh, I was a teacher, uh, which means I was broke, and I had uh, I had three side hustles. So I was working four jobs, if you count teaching. And uh, one day I was in the kitchen, and I was imitating our football stadium announcer. I, we lived in Oxford, Mississippi, so old Miss. And I was like, that's another first down. And my wife was like, oh, my gosh, you should be an announcer guy. And I was like, well, you know, these three side hustles aren't quite enough. Let me see. I'm, I'm going to go Google that because it always kind of been – I mean, I didn't really know about voice acting. You know, and I certainly didn't think I was going to move to LA and be, you know, in, you know, Rugrats or something like that. But, um, and That's so I goal, went,
0: Rugrats,
1: you know, some <laughs> Nickelodeon cartoon or something like that. So I went and I Googled it and, uh, I was like, okay, with the internet, this was 2013 at the time. So about 10 years ago, uh, with the internet, um, you could do this from home. And I was just thinking, you know, I'd like to make enough money to, you know, pay my electric bill. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't looking to make it a career. And within, uh, I mean, like that first year, I made significant money. I guess I mean, I was I was really busting my behind to make it. But uh, and then after three years, I quit teaching. <laughs> All those side hustles were gone. Uh, the Army Reserve was one of those side hustles, and it stayed for a few more years until I retired from there. But uh, which is how I ended up meeting you. I was able to get to North Carolina with the Army Reserve. So that's a uh, that's how I did it. I, I just uh, Googled like, how do you become a voice announcer guy? And uh, and just started doing it, man. And it was a, it was a, a rough it was a rough road learning how to do that stuff with zero acting training, zero idea of how the industry was. Uh, but I was just consumed with like laser focus, man. And I just was reading everything that I could find on Facebook, in particular. I think is the most informative social media platform for voiceover for voice acting in general. That's how I got started.
0: When you got started, like, what was the first, like, your first role you got for a
1: job? So this was November of 23. And um, I got to lead into this with this. And, I mean, uh, I was going till about 1 a.m. every night recording everything I could find on this one website. Uh, and it took me several weeks to realize that the microphone I was using was not even picking me up, that I was just recording straight into the built-in microphone, you know, down there by the keyboard. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know. My headphones were so bad, I didn't even know. I mean, I just didn't even know how good or bad it was supposed to sound. I probably did 300 auditions like that. And then uh, finally, and I mean, and I was looking everywhere. Craigslist, who knows? So I got a gig on Craigslist uh, from a producer. And that word, oh, a producer. Oh, turns out anybody who's making anything is called a producer. So, I mean, you know, if I turned around and made an Instagram video, I'm the producer of that video. Anyway, I, I got a free gig. And I was just like an announcer on the radio in the background of some short film she was making. And then uh, I picked up, like, uh, another free gig in like, some Star Trek fan fiction, and it's so bad. Like, even then, I knew this is so bad that I'm embarrassed to tell anybody I'm in it. Uh, and then, uh, so, the first paid gig was uh, on that website, which was Voices.com, which I don't necessarily recommend. Uh, I got a gig as Zombie Voices in the video game Contagion. And I was excited. It paid $100. I was so excited, but I still didn't know if I could act. I mean, because I was just doing zombie noises. So I still didn't know if anybody thought anything I did with my voice was any good. Um, and so in the second month, I got a 17-minute long narration on how to fill out IRS Form I-9. And they paid $175. <laughs> so it was about $10 a minute. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I was like, if I could just do this once a month, I'd be happy with this gig. You know, I just need to pay the electric bill or whatever. Um, But also somewhere in there, I picked up a $75 gig on Craigslist recording affirmations for someone to listen to in his morning routine. You know, people who need to hear, people who believe that magically hearing positive things makes them. And so uh, for $75, I recorded, and I'm not lying to you. These were some of the lines. You are a very handsome man. In the gym, no one can lift more weight than you. At parties, ladies think you are hilarious. I'm the freaking man. These were the lines that this guy, (laughs) and I could just picture him in the gym. You know, listen, I'm the freaking man. Yeah. Yeah."
0: (laughs) Did you ever watch Nacho Libre?
1: I, I still have not, and it's like one of those that I really want to see. Because I love there, Jack Black, and I, the premise of that movie is hilarious.
0: So the premise is hilarious, uh, but there's uh, one point where there's a uh, the big bad guy wrestler is getting oiled up by an old elderly man. He's like, Ramsey's, he's the best. Ramsey's muscles <laughs> are the strongest. And that's when you're saying that. That's funny, but like, uh, also just complete rabbit trail, we'll jump right back in. But I found out within the last year that... Nacho Libre is a real person. No way. Um, and that his I can't remember his uh like his real name, but his uh wrestling name was Fray Tormenta. Um, and he was a Mexican priest that kept an orphanage open for 25 years by wrestling. Nice. And like, so now he officiates weddings and stuff in the luchador mask, and that's how like Wow. I found. <laughs> I'm like. So the dude literally kept <clears> the <throat> orphanage open by wrestling, but now that's his gig. Is that's awesome.
1: And I've got an affinity for for Lucha Libre. It's a, so I lived in El Paso for two years after I ran into you and uh and I did El Paso Comic Con in addition to I just immersed myself in Mexican culture cuz El Paso is American but 80% of El Pasoans speak Spanish and a large percentage of them don't speak English and it's you're it's literally the the only major American city right on the border with another major Mexican city right. so there's 2 million people right there in the largest binational community in the hemisphere and uh so the Lucha Libre there is insane and it's hilarious. And at El Paso Comic Con, they had Lucha Libre. They had wrestlers like and they busted through the door and broke out into a fight on the convention floor. It was fantastic. I mean, they were throwing each other into tables and the crowd was just following them everywhere with their phones. And I was like, so, yeah, I bought a, a luchador mask. I think mine is a, a, luchador, a luchador named Fishman. OK, uh, uh, I think I had to look it up. I mean, I thought they were all just unique masks, but no, there were like 20 masks for sale and they were off of famous Mm -hmm. luchadors. But man, uh, I find that Mexico is about 30 years behind the United States in that they, a lot of them still think wrestling is real Mm. uh, and, and they are big into the unfolding soap opera of which luchador is mad at who, just like we all were 30 years ago when, you know, we really were convinced that, you know. Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase were really real, you know, people. And that, that fight was really real. And you know, somebody went to the hospital from one of those fights. You know, it was <laughs> such great sports. Now, entertainment. now people still
0: watch it. They just watch the same wrestlers give TikToks about how, you know, well, here's how we're advancing the storyline. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now yeah, so we a- well, all everybody appreciates the pageantry of it all and the showmanship of it all and the athleticism of it all. It's awesome.
0: My we've my household has really gotten more into wrestling because my 10 year old uh I took her to a wrestling match almost <laughs> by accident. But like uh when you're in Fateville, there's a comic shop there called Dragon's Lair. Uh-huh. Um and the owner is started a rock band called Fear State and i set in he's my he's my comics provider and he's a nice guy and he always supports me i was like all right i'm going to come see your band whenever i can like at some point cuz schedules are bananas and um went to go the one time that he was local like within a mile of my house uh was his band was playing for a small wrestling promotion and <laughs> like as the opener for the show and so i asked my 10 year old i was like look i'm gonna go i'm gonna see this dude play some rock music do you want to come she's like where is it at i'm like a wrestling thing and she's like okay this is interesting and best worst mistake ever um (laughs) because now my 10 year old's like all about it wants to watch pay-per-views wants to go to the live events and i'm like okay that's fine there's there's worse things um but it's like i haven't paid attention to wrestling since like 2000 and now it's like okay this is back but it's been an interesting thing um so what was the first thing that you like uh, that you landed you felt like okay i've accomplished i've like i'm i'm kind of in this like <clears throat> this isn't just a side hustle this feels like like an achievement
1: um it, it, some some things came along. Um, so, like, the first year I was doing voiceover, uh, I landed a pretty big, a pretty well-paying uh, regional commercial. It, like, played in three states that weren't even anywhere near me. But the money of it was a number that I didn't know was was possible. You know, as a teacher, I wasn't making, but maybe, you know, 40 thousand dollars a year. And this commercial paid, like, $7,000, you know. So, it was amazing. And it was, like... <laughs> And it was like for Blue Cross Blue Shield, and like nobody heard it except like over in Utah and Colorado. But uh, but I, I realized now, looking back on it, part of the reason it paid so well was like there were four pages of phone numbers because wherever they played that commercial was a different phone number, and they paid pretty well for each of those what they call in the business they call those tags. So each tag probably paid like seventy five dollars. So it all just added up to several thousand dollars, and I was like, wow, man, I've I've made it now. Uh, you know, I'm going to book these $7,000 gigs all the time from now on. I did not, uh, I did not, narrator. He did not, in fact, book $7,000 gigs. Um, but like the next year I got like a national commercial for Virgin Mobile and it paid a couple thousand dollars and I was like, you know what? And for a while I felt like I was getting like a national commercial every year, you know, and I was paying a few thousand dollars cause I wasn't in the union. Now I know that, oh, my goodness, National Commercials pay. So so much better than that if you finally get one. But so that was 13, 14, 15. And then in 16, I got Five Nights at Freddy's. And that was kind of the first thing I got where people were going to recognize me. And even before the game came out, people were, like, speculating who I was because they could see my name on the website where I'd been cast, and they were, like, doing YouTube videos about me already. And I was like, what? What? And then the game came out, and it just—I mean, it just exploded. And now I've been in five Five Nights at Freddy's games. And if you're a fan listening, you're probably forgetting about the AR game that everybody has forgotten about. That was—that was a pretty big one at one point. But yeah, I think I—you know—the commercial work certainly says I can do this. But the Five Nights at Freddy's work kind of said, "You are—you're a pro. You know, you can do this." And you know, now I'm. 10 years into this thing and, and, you know, making a very good full-time living at it. And, um, but yeah, I think it was the commercial work that really finally cemented in me that I was going to be a pro at this. And you've got a
0: image and I'll see if they'll throw this in here too, is, um, you've got an image of all of your voice acting characters together. Um, Oh
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's quite the collage. I just had this made, you know, all these other voice actors, especially the anime ones, they get these collages made for the comic cons. And I was like, you know, I have done a lot. And so I started, I saved a few of the pictures and then I had to go back and look at a few more. And some of those are games that have never seen the light of day, you know, but I got paid to voice the character in them. And some of them are small and some of them are, um, you know, not well known. There is a Bumblebee in there that's actually in a commercial. Uh, a public service announcement over in um North Carolina, I think. Okay. Uh what was the name of that county? Mecklenburg County, isn't that North Carolina? Mm-hmm. It was like for a literacy program and they had a bumblebee. Uh and and they submitted it for the the Emmy, but uh it didn't get the nomination. Um but um you know, so one of them is a cartoon character from the Tuttle Twins cartoon. Uh I don't know if you're familiar with Tuttle Twins, but they're no. they're kind of a, a conservative, uh, right leaning uh libertarian cartoon series uh it's based off the books based off the books the total twins um i play babe ruth's manager where the twins travel back in time and meet babe ruth's manager where he explains to them why babe gets paid more than the other players uh which is it's it's not equal but it's fair and so it's you know it's a, a very libertarian concept that uh not socialist whatsoever but uh, and you know some of those are, are are pretty big games. You know you get the Five Nights at Freddy's in there and Paladins, and um, uh, Contra Returns was a cool one that I fe- like. I voiced all that and then realized you know it was kind of big when it came back to the United States and that was cool because I played Contra up a storm in the 1980s, oh, yeah. nin- 90s whenever it came out. Um, you know, but a lot of those characters are just <laughs> you know sometimes you get paid and you voice it and you don't even know what it's what it's in and uh, you know. It's a, uh, it's interesting, but yeah, it's quite the collage. A couple, uh, probably a hundred, hundred more characters in there. <clears throat>
0: That's awesome. Um, and so through the process, how did you? Because you've done some like in person live action acting as well. How did that transition happen?
1: Well, everything I've do- Yeah, so when I first got into voice acting, you know, I was reading everything, doing everything, and I was signing up for everything, and I was. And, uh, and somehow I signed up for some background actor casting. I mean, I was just looking for anybody with the word casting in their name. And so we were living in Oxford, Mississippi, which is in the north part up near Memphis, Tennessee. And I got a phone call. And I mean, I didn't even understand the person on the phone other than, hey, this is blah, blah, blah from blah, 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 casting and blah, blah, blah. And can you be in New Orleans tomorrow? We'd like you to play a, a special agent uh, in NCIS New Orleans. And I was like, "Whoo! I've made it. I have made it. This is it. Right. And so uh, and I don't know that I really even understood, but being an extra in a movie sounded like fun or in a TV show. So, uh, you know, I said to my wife, baby, pack up. We're going to New Orleans. Well, extras get paid in non-union states like Louisiana, get paid like, I don't know, $100 a day. I mean, you can't go to New Orleans for a $100 a day. You can't stay in the La Quinta for a $100 a day. Uh, and so we stayed in the La Quinta one night and then a casino had a deal and they gave me two free nights in the hotel, of course, They're expecting you to go in there and lose money in the casino is why they're so willing to let you stay in their rooms for free. And uh, so we went to New Orleans for three days and I sat out there in the summer heat and I was a special agent in the background on NCIS New Orleans. And uh, I got like almost no screen time, like like no one would ever know that I was in it. And so I said, well, this was fun and the food was great. But um, I, I I don't have time in my life to come be an extra basically for free or to lose money to be an extra. This is not a career enhancer. This is not anything that's going to, you know, make it. There were lots of guys there who were just like extras for a living. Like they just were extras 10, 15, 20 days a month. And I was like, you know, I even said to one guy, I said, have you ever thought about like real acting, like speaking roles? He's like, I have, man, but it's so hard. You really got to, I'm like, well, yeah, (laughs) it's hard, but they get paid so much better for it. You know, you got to worry about your hands and your face and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah. So I said I wasn't going to be an extra anymore. And then one day, uh, I uh, my wife and I became fans of The Walking Dead. And uh, I was taking an acting class from a guy. And um, he was like, now, are you interested in on-camera acting? I said, not really, but I just know that this class will help me be a better voice actor. Uh, I said, with the exception that I would pay them $200 if I could be a walker, a zombie on The Walking Dead. And he said, well, you know, they pay like $100 a day, but if you got a speaking role in the Walking Dead, even a minor one, it'd be like $5,000. And I was like, well, let's talk about how to do that then. Uh, let's... <laughs> and so I never really did pursue that more, but I was at a Comic-Con later for my Five Nights at Freddy's work, and there was an extra from The Walking Dead at the Comic-Con. And people were buying his autograph for $20, Uh, and he would get new prints every Comic-Con, and they would come buy new prints. And he said, dude, if you want to be an extra on The Walking Dead, just sign up for this casting agency. And so I just went to that casting agency on Facebook, and he said, if they're looking for skinny people, that's walkers. If they're looking for tough people, that's usually bad guys. And if they're looking for survivors, that's usually, you know, villagers, like the residents of Alexandria, that kind of stuff on, on The Walking Dead. And so sure enough, man, within a couple of weeks, they were looking for tough looking survivors. And I'm like, I'm bald with a beard. Let me slap on some of my army gear and go out in the yard and take a picture. And I did. And they said, we want you. So I went and I was on Walking Dead. Uh, I don't know, season eight, episode eight or something like that. And I was there for three days and it was fun to be part of a franchise that i really really loved but you know wasn't worth the money i think i slept in my truck the first night and then a, a, a dude and i split an airbnb the second night but um uh while while i was there i felt like i, I wasn't going to get a good face shot i felt like i wasn't going to make it on camera and i said well i'll, I'll come back and do this again well, while i was there the guy that i was splitting the bnb with said dude are you in the military because they're casting real soldiers for the next marvel film For the avengers film and i was like marvel is in atlanta with walking he's like yeah i was like no way so i signed up for that and i sent in my military headshot you know the one that they hang on the wall when you're in command and uh they cast me right away for what i thought was avengers three and uh i so i came out to atlanta again and i I can't even remember where i stayed but it was cheap I was i was airbnb in it and i was staying and uh, we did three days in the summer heat, and uh, and you know, and I got to see little bits and pieces of things. And I was in the scene with Robert Downey Jr., and so then I was like, oh, I've got spoilers. And they told us all, don't share this with anybody. Don't ruin the magic of these Marvel movies with anybody. But I, there were some spoilers that I shared from time to time. And, I, and then as the movie was about to come out like a week later – I shared some, some pretty solid spoilers. And then I went and saw the movie on opening day with a theater full of Avengers fans. And that's the way to see it, man. It's, I mean, that's like going to the movies in the 1950s when everybody cheers for the hero. I yeah. mean, when, when Thor shows up in that battle, when, when the, when the Avengers are about to lose and Thor shows up, there was literal applause in the theater, people hooping and hollering. And I mean, that's, you don't get that, you know, on day eight.
0: No. No, in that
1: like, and when uh,
0: in Endgame, when he picks up the hammer, or when Captain America picks up the hammer, like a thunderous applause. But yeah, exactly.
1: Which, funny you should mention Endgame. So as the movie progressed, Infinity War, I kept saying to myself, "There is not enough time left in this movie for my scene to fit here." And sure enough, the movie just ends and goes to credits, and Thanos has won. And the theater's just sitting there in stunned silence. But my stunned silence is double because I'm like, I wasn't in that movie. <laughs> and I thought I was. There's going to be a fourth. I mean, nobody knew there was going to be a fourth Avengers film Infin- in Endgame. And so I had just let several spoilers slip. And now we had a whole year to go again for Endgame. Uh, and the spoiler that I let slip was that Robert Downey Jr., some, Iron Man, somehow goes back in time and meets his dad.
0: You. you- and, uh, I was one of those people you had told. Yeah, I I
1: remember that. There were a couple more. He somehow goes back in time and meets his dad. Not sure why, but at the time, I thought his dad knew who he was. Mm. I didn't realize that he was just there, and his dad just thought he was some weird guy with a weird beard. Um, And I didn't see Chris Evans, but I saw Chris Evans' stand-in, which was kind of funny because um, they had like a military advisor there telling all of us who were playing soldiers – a little bit. And one thing he told us was don't walk around with your chest all pumped out and your arms swinging like that. You know, just cause you have on an army uniform, just walk like a regular dude. And then I saw this one dude walking like that. And I was like, Oh, it's Chris Evans' stand in. So he hadn't gotten the brief from the guy who was wrangling all the extras. So I was in in game. And then while I was at in game, just to make this story a little bit longer. Uh, <laughs> so while I was there filming for Marvel. I got the call to be in another episode of walking dead. So I did three solid days. on, And then at the end of that day, like at five o'clock, I went straight over and did three solid nights on walking dead. Uh, it was the scene where the, um, the saviors attack um, the hilltop. Yeah. In season eight, you know, it's all nighttime and, and man, I just knew. After those three nights that I was, I had some hero shots on camera. There was like, I was leading a wedge shaped formation of saviors, and I had a bow and arrow and everything, you know, everybody had their, their savior weapons and man, we were sneaking through the woods and the camera was right in front of me, man. It was just, oh, I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be amazing. I literally, and I'm not exaggerating. I got 0.4 seconds of screen time in that episode. And in the episode before where I thought I didn't get anything, I got like four solid seconds where you're like, that's Andy. That's I, for sure. I Andy. think
0: the one where you pull up on the truck, right?
1: Uh. Well, yeah. We were in the truck on. Yeah. So there's a there's. I had to make an animated gif of my part just so you could see me, and it's me just doing this with a bow. <laughs> that's, that's all you got was that. That's it. Uh. But on the but in the first episode I was in, it's where we um. It's where the saviors uh massacre the the the. The heapsters, the, the, uh, the trash people that live in the dump. Yeah. And so we would uh, – There's a, I mean, there's a good eye-popping shot of me just walking up and snatching a gun from a guy and mean-mugging him and then walking off. Uh, and I was like, yeah, there you go. That's my four seconds of fame right there. The other three nights just wore me out, man. I mean, I went – I mean, I worked like 24 straight hours and then slept and then worked another night and then slept. And then the last night that I worked, when the sun came up and they – Wrapped us and sent us all home. I just drove six hours home, you know, and it was just—I mean, it was—it was hard, but it's really cool to be part of a couple of franchises that I'm a—I'm a big fan of. I would do it again, you know, for Star Wars, right? You know, if you—you know—but who wouldn't? Every celebrity in Hollywood wants to be in Star Wars, yeah. You know, Stephen Colbert in the Lord of the Rings. I mean, yeah, once you once you geek out on that stuff, it's so that's that's—I mean, that's the limit of my on camera stuff, really. Uh, I've I've done some on-camera narrations for educational films and things like that. Every now and then, one of my buddies will say, dude, is this you? And it's a video of me for this company called The Lost Ways, and I'm out in the woods with a rifle, and I'm like, this is how you make pemmican, or this is how you make hardtack. Um, and then uh, I did audition on camera for the Five Nights at Freddy's movie that's coming out in October. Okay. Because uh, it's here. It's I live in Louisiana now, and it's in Louisiana, and um, – Course, they cast the main, la- the, the A lusters, they cast them from, from Hollywood. Uh, but all the extras and minor speaking roles, they try to cast locally. Uh, for one, that's just part of their agreement with filming in New Orleans. But I've got a Baton Rouge agent and I've told her, man, I really only do voiceover. But I said to her, hey, I need auditions for. The Five Nights at Freddy's movie. And then I also just emailed the casting director direct and said, I'm a voice actor in a video game. And so they sent me the auditions and it was a special audition just for me. And I thought, well, if anything's going to give me the role, it's not my acting prowess. It's going to be the gimmick that I'm one of the voice actors. You know, this is going to be one of those little Easter eggs for the fans. If I get a role, I didn't get the role. But what's encourage, there's two things that encourage me. The guy who did get one of the roles uh, is just a YouTuber. So they really did. They were really aiming for the Easter egg uh, thing of it. He's just a Five, five Nights at Freddy's YouTuber. Um, and then the other thing that maybe gives me hope is that Matthew Lillard, who's probably more popular as Shaggy in the live-action Scooby-Doo films, he signed a three-movie deal. So if movie number one goes well, you know, maybe I could be a movie number two or movie number three, maybe. So okay. but if movie number one bombs, which video game video game movies tend to, <laughs> I, I feel like Five Nights at Freddy's
0: is a good enough property. Plus, you the guy, um, the the younger man that's playing the roles, like in the the dude from Josh Hunger Hutcherson. Games, yeah. yeah. So
1: I I liked him in RV. Have, did you see RV? Yeah, <laughs> that what a great film. What a great film! Yeah, but I, I, and I, he was also in a film called Little Manhattan that my girls just loved. Uh, it's kind of a little tween romance. It's it's cute and sweet and funny. Um, but yeah, he's a good actor, and yeah, he's a big name.
0: And um, somebody, I yeah, I was wondering if you were if you had any process in trying to be part of that franchise?
1: Man I I, man, I I, was putting forth the hustle to do it. I mean, and I've got actor friends, on-camera actor friends who are like, well, that's the way to do it. I mean, if you emailed the casting director directly, that is, I mean, anybody listening, don't always email the casting director directly. That's not the way. But if you have something unique to offer, you know, if they're, you know, and if they're looking for an Iraq war veteran and you're an Iraq war veteran, that's probably worth emailing the casting director directly over you know if they're looking for a an amputee you know and you're an amputee and you've got something you know you're something special then that's worth but you know if they're just casting a 40 year old white male um you know to play the mailman you say hey i've always wanted to be an actor yeah that's not the way to get they're like yeah so so has everyone else who is actually auditioning for this through their agents so you know do it the right way but
0: yeah I did um, an episode of Swamp Thing. Um, did you? Because my my middle kid uh, at that time she really loved Swamp Thing, and I saw that DC was uh, doing a uh, live action show, and they were it's in Wilmington, which is an hour from here. Yeah. Um, and so like I put in for it, and they're like, sure, like come, <laughs> I could go be a extra. And It was a big party scene; they needed a lot of people, and um. It was one of those things where, uh, I it was that same thing of like the camera was directly at me. And I'm like, oh man, this could be so dope. Um, I'm going to be like right on camera. And like I am, but I'm the blurred out part where they focus on the gun. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's my vest. That's my thing. And it's that same thing of like, if I slow my stuff down <clears throat> enough, I can see me or I can point out there's my hat. Um, yeah. But what the I think my biggest recognition in it was getting called out by the director for overacting. And I'm like, oh <laughs> because it was supposed to be a scene where like uh um a a police officer is hallucinating that her son is killed and so she pulls a gun on the party. And uh we're supposed to react to the gun being pulled in this crowd setting. And like so when the gun gets pulled, like I instantly like parent mode, like try and like brace the people behind me or block the people. Mind me like like some of you are acting a little more bravely than you actually would be.
1: That's so funny.
0: And he like dead eyed me and I'm like sorry. <laughs> I was that's like funny. it's like that's done. I mean, whatever. Um
1: Yeah, and the, I was the, the same with Endgame. I was blurred out and so I have a screenshot of Endgame with Robert Downey Jr. like Robert Downey Jr.'s face is like this big and then in the background is just a little blur and I put a big gray arrow pointing at me and that's my screenshot. I should print that out and sign that at Comic Cons. But um, Some somebody would buy it. You know, my dad was also an extra. He was in Steel Magnolias, which is filmed here in, in my hometown where I live in Louisiana. That's awesome. And so, and so basically we're like the Baldwins. We're we're a dynasty. You know, it's you know, extra long, dynasty. long tradition of background acting in my family i i had
0: one con actually book me because i was in swamp thing (laughs) and it was the worst con experience ever and i was like you know i was like oh this was a this was a horrible life choice like they even made a like the their social media poster like actor from swamp thing and like had that i was like oh no this is not where it wants to be um (laughs) So, what would you say, like uh, career-wise, and what you've been doing is been your, what you're proudest of? Like, you feel like this is—I'm glad this is part of my legacy.
1: Um, well, so so th- 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 this is the the Christian angle of this whole thing. So there was a. Uh, I used to be, you know, real involved in, in, in stuff and even thought I was gonna be a full time minister at one point. I was I was active with the campus crusade. I used to do street evangelism. I've been yeah, I've evangelized on the on the streets of New Orleans, not the angry shouting evangelists, but the 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 ones that have meaningful conversations on the street, but um and so I realized, you know, I've gotten this modicum of fame. You know, most people don't know who I am, but there's a lot of angsty teens out there that love Five Nights at Freddy's. That's a Five Nights at Freddy's reference, by the way, angsty teen. But uh, uh, And I've got an opportunity to, to share the Lord with people through this. And so I said, you know, maybe I should just uh, preach a church service on Sunday mornings at conventions. I'm there. You know, some people miss the convention on Sunday to go to church and some people go to the convention and regret that they're missing church. So this is, this is a, a need that could be filled. And then, you know, the devil got the better of me and he's like, no, man, not in this industry, not in this dark world. If you, you're going to get laughed out of here and never get another convention appearance again, if you ask somebody about that, you know, and, uh, and at the time I, I needed the money from the convention appearances. I don't now, but, um, they're just kind of fun and it's nice to have, but, um, And so I didn't do it. I just kind of, I just, I didn't ask about it. Well, then I was at church and this is when we're living in Mississippi and you're, you're in the South, you know, in the South football is religion number two. You got God and you got football and the college football in particular. And the pastor was talking about college football. It was, it was about this time of year. He's like, football season is here, man. And you guys are going to start hanging flags on your cars and putting big magnets that say, we're on our way to see the, the Bulldogs play and all this stuff. And he says, and you're going to wear jerseys. So everybody knows what team you're for. And he said, why don't you put on your Jesus jersey? Why didn't everybody know that's the team you're for? And I was like, huh. Yep, I'm going to send some emails to Comic Cons today. We're (laughs) doing—I just was so convicted that I was just denying Christ in this whole thing, you know. And so I emailed every convention that I had an appearance upcoming for. It was like eight of them. And like three said, yes, yeah, we'll take a nerd church service. And so I've probably preached nerd church at over a dozen conventions now where I just got to— have church on Sunday. Sometimes four people come. Sometimes 90 people come. I mean, it just depends on the Los Angeles Comic Con. They let me do a church service. Godless Los Angeles, the place where you would have thought 100% was going to say no. And like 90 people came. It was amazing. Uh And then, you know, it's interesting culturally where it's big and where it's not. I've done Anime Weekend Atlanta several times, Branson, Missouri several times. Uh, I don't think Fayetteville. Fayetteville didn't let me do it. I think they would if I came back second time.
0: Um, yeah. Fayetteville's been weird. Um, it's also changed owners. And really? um, uh, I did it once. I did a church service there once, and it's kind of been um, off and on difficult in the process. I'm going to take one quick pause because um, okay. my charger is not charging, and I don't want us to cut out. <laughs> one second.
1: Oh, I thought we were going to do a, a sponsor message. Faith in the Fandom and Love Thy Nerd is brought to you by Lifeway. Now back to our program. You're going to come back and watch this later and be, that was pretty funny. I'm digging all the nerd memorabilia in here, all the punko pops and the. Okay, that's better. Oh. I had one in and it just wasn't doing it. I like your shirt. I just noticed.
0: It was, uh, I did a con at my church this past, yeah, it was this month. Um, And like one of the vendors like gave me like a swag bag of thank you stuff. And it was in there. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I love nightmare before Christmas. It's so cool.
0: We did it where uh, all of the vendors and artists uh, were free. Like they didn't have to pay any booth fees or whatever just wanted to bless them and Mm -hmm. like turned out really well with that. But no, um, with Fayetteville, like we did one geek church service there and, um, good response. Um, but like, it's just been, it's just been a weird thing of getting it back and Mm -hmm. people will, uh, people have been kind of vocal about it. Like we want it in some areas, not like a lot, but like, Mm -hmm. we're going to see, I'm going to shoot for this one. There's one in October. We're going to try again. Um, I've had really continued good sex because good success with galaxy cons. Um, in terms of they have, uh, they have always, uh, said yes to me with that. Um, and to the point where, uh, after their first big one back after the pandemic, um, like uh, when they first had their show back, they announced the show after I'd already booked a summer camp I was speaking at. And I couldn't set my booth up because the show ran Thursday through Sunday and I was speaking until Saturday morning. <sighs> and so I was like, you know, I can't ask for a church service if I'm not even setting my booth up. And then the week of, people were emailing me and saying, are we doing church at GalaxyCon? And I explained, they're like, ask anyway. Yeah. And, dude, I, I asked, and they said yes within 30 minutes. Uh,
1: and and I'm going to tell you what's the cool thing about that. Even if that's all you do for that weekend, you're the first thing in the top left on the schedule for Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nerd church at like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. on Sunday, usually in the ballroom is what they usually give me, which is – I wish they wouldn't sometimes. I know it's where all the audio stuff is, but I'm like, man, when 20 people show up to the ballroom, it just looks like a tiny church service. But if you put 20 in one of the small session rooms, panel rooms, it looks fantastic. It looks like the place is packed. So, but you never know. But I try to book praise bands. I try to usually get somebody to come and they'll either, um, um, they'll either play for free, or um, a lot of times I tithe out of my earnings from the comic con and give that to the praise band. Nice. And uh, you know, so if I make you know, let's say a thousand dollars at the con, and that'd be a small con, I'll give them a hundred dollars. But that's a little too small for that. But uh, but yeah, I've got. Um, that's always been cool, and sometimes I get a praise band who comes in and sets up. Man, I did a convention in Chicago, and this band came in with, with their parents, and they set up like they were going to play the Superdome. (laughs) And like, I don't know, 20 people came, you know, so they were just like blowing it out, twirling drumsticks and all this stuff. And it just, (laughs) and you know, there's like two people in the back row, but you just never know who you're impacting. You know, it's, uh, I did a Santa Fe Comic Con, Albuquerque. And um, one girl showed up to church. And, but she was a girl I had met the year before at Santa Fe Comic Con and she needed it. Wanted it. Was looking for a church. And the girl doing the praise music was the worship minister at a local church. you know. And then a family of three came in. So that was my one where four people showed up. But, uh, but I mean, and, and we were just in a small room, but you just never know the impact that that thing's going to have. And so I just kind of learned to be, be humble about it and, you know, don't, don't worry about who's going to show up. You know, God's going to show up. That's who's going to yeah. show up. Right? You know, yeah. do it for him. And so it's uh it's amazing and it's uh but I hadn't gotten to do it in years. I didn't I didn't do any cons after the pandemic until this year I've done one and there was no church service at that one. And so uh, you know I hadn't done one in 3 or 4 years now and I'm kind of kind of missing that. But uh, I've I've gotten plugged in again. I'm now the college Sunday school teacher at my church. And so now I'm just like neck deep in college activities. College kids. Man. So now we've added now a Monday night college worship service. And they're there at the church until like 10 p.m. 10 p.m.? What? Man, I'm going to start coming there in my pajamas.
0: I did um college ministry for about 11 years, and we would start at 6.30. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would leave it as an open space that if you wanted to hang out, if you wanted to talk, if you wanted to mm-hmm. do whatever. And there were a good amount of nights I wrapped up at 2. Yeah. And that was one of those, like, Okay, I've I've aged out of this. I can't. keep doing this. Yeah,
1: yeah. We had open gym Monday night. We're Baptist, so we have a gym, and um, and so uh, <laughs> and so yeah, at 10 p.m., like we were kind of scheduling to be done at 10 p.m. And at 10:15, they were still spiking the volleyball at each other at the gym and uh, playing nine square. They've got nine square there, and they like that a lot too. And ping pong. And I mean, they were just, and I was just like, man, we, I got to go home. And uh, but the. We have a university here, too, and they have a BCM, Baptist Collegiate Ministry, and yeah, they go to midnight frequently at the BCM, probably three nights a week, and I'm just like, and those two ministers at the BCM are old, like 60-something. That's all. I mean, one day I'm going to be 60-something and be like, I can't believe I said this was old, but... Right. But I mean, they're, they're grandparents, and they're there at midnight with the college kids, but... In fairness, they can also go to work at eleven AM the next day if they want to. So Yeah. And they tend to. Anyway, I I love the young people and uh and really I miss the young people from teaching. I was a middle school teacher. Uh and so the Comic Cons had been a way for me to reconnect with young people and spend more time. They're energizing, man. They 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 charge my batteries up. So now I'm I'm getting that fixed with the college kids here in town, but uh I, I've always liked kids. I got two degrees in elementary education and, and taught forever, and I've always been involved in college ministry and things like that. So, yeah, I dig it. Anyway, that's that's the legacy that I get to leave from voiceover is, is that. Yeah, that's a great legacy to
0: have. And – um just knowing you made an impact in those capacities and use the opportunities that you have. And I think that can be a good reminder. Cause there's a, a lot of times people will discount that stuff they're like, yeah, I did this, but you know, yeah. it's, it's what's eternal. What's actually lasting.
1: Yeah. And you know, you never know, like sometimes I'm like, that was a flop. I really didn't, I don't think I did a good job on that, but like literally two weeks ago I got an Instagram message from a girl and she said, Hey, I was in the praise band at the con in Birmingham. Which must have been six years ago, and she said, "I just want to know if you still had your slides, uh, you know, like uh, do you st- do you have do you have that book or you know it was like she was asking me for references from that she remembered the message that I preached, and like referenced it and and like seemed like it was still fresh in her mind, and uh, I felt like I did a good job at that one anyway. That was uh, I was doing an invitation at, at those, and I learned that you, you I don't need to do an invitation anymore because what happens really especially at a comic con is people come up and want to talk about five nights at freddy's like oh it's it's open mic night let me get on up there and talk to him real quick and uh but what i do do <laughs> he said do do is uh um if you're a five nights at freddy's fan and you make it to nerd church you get a free photo with me all day and so you know people are always like can we do a photo and i'm like yeah it's you know it's however many dollars outside of the table but here at nerd church it's free that's that's for for you coming So maybe word will get out. Oh yeah.
0: So, what uh, advice or steps do you have for people who want to get into voice acting? And I know that's a whole.
1: (laughs) It is. I I used to teach a class called the Business of Voiceover, and it was sixteen nights, ninety minutes a night, and we would talk about, you know, but of course, a lot of that is once you've gotten started, the things to do to get to get bigger in it. Uh, the secret I think really to getting started is just get started. Start reading, go to Google, go to Facebook, even if you're under 30, because uh, Facebook is where all the voiceover groups are. And, and young people like to call it VA voice acting, but it's VO voiceover. And the video games are just part of that. And figure out and start reading and say, how do, you know, how do you get going in this stuff? Do I need an agent? You know, if I do need an agent, what do I do then? You know, do I need a, you know, but, but bear in mind, it's going to cost time and money and you can exchange time for money and money for time a little, you know, the most successful students I've ever had already had well-paying day jobs. And so they were able to drop money on good gear right away and drop money on good training right away. Uh, But I didn't have good gear right away or good training right away. I just got started and I exchanged time. For money. I was up to 1 (laughs) a.m. all the time auditioning and reading and studying and saying, okay, my next step is this. I need to get a demo made. I need to scrape up, you know, this much money and then get a demo made and blah blah blah. So resign yourself to the fact that it will cost much time and money, just like any vocation. You know, you wanna be a teacher that's gonna cost you four years of college. You want to be a welder that's gonna cost you apprenticing or, you know, and all this, and also buying welding gear. So that and then um um what was I gonna say? Get started. That's really it, is get started. Uh there are people out there who'll say, You should not get started till you've had acting lessons. Your acting coach will know when it's time for you to get started. And I think that's that's a good way to discourage like everyone. I mean, if you told me that I had to take guitar lessons and after, I don't know, six, seven, eight months, maybe we'd learn a song but I had to first learn everything there was to know about guitar, I would just not ever play guitar. Same with voice acting. If you told me don't even buy a microphone for the first year, just start taking acting lessons, I would be like, what? Are you kidding me? But, um... You know, don't 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 get in a rut where you have found this little piece of the voiceover industry and you're just there and you can't figure out why you can't advance and it's because you keep doing five dollar jobs on castingcallclub.com or, or castingcall.club because you're in this tiny microcosm of a massive industry. And the other is to have the humility to do stuff that you don't necessarily think you want to do. Uh, imagine a musician a guitarist who says i don't play weddings i am going to sign with a major record label you know i don't need your 200 for the wedding thank you well guess what you're going to work at starbucks you know or a, a painter who says 200 to paint your fraternity house on the side of an ice chest my good sir i paint landscapes well you're gonna paint landscapes while you work at starbucks right It's same deal with voiceover. You get all these people say, I want to be an anime. I am not going to do commercials. You know, I am not going to record educational courses. Well, then you're going to be a barista and you're going to, and you're going to, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a barista, but that's not what you want to be. If you want to be an actor, um, you got to have the humility to say, yeah, I'll record a corporate narration for a company that makes tractors. No problem. That was $300, you know, that, that, uh, you know, You want to do what you have to do to spend your day in the room where the microphone is, you know, because then when the animation audition for Nickelodeon comes in, you can respond to it right away. And you don't have to be the number 200 person to respond to it tonight at 10 p.m. when you got off your shift at Sonic. You know, it's have the humility to be involved in the entire industry, not just animation, which is a really small, small piece of the voiceover industry. Have the humility to do a local car commercial for Bob's GMC Buick, you know, which, by the way, he'll pay you once or twice a month, you know, to do those commercials. (laughs) He could be a regular client. Those I know. I know voice actors that only do local car commercials. They do five a day, you know, and it's just they've got they wake up every morning to five car commercials that pay one hundred twenty five dollars a piece. And then they figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their day. (laughs) Like, that's. You know, that certainly frees you up to focus on anime and animation and, you know, video games. So that's the humility, maybe is a little bit of it. Don't be so proud of yourself that you only are going to do character work. Oh, one more thing. Uh, Be okay with your own voice. There's so many voice actors out there like, I really hate my own voice. And that's okay to have that mindset, but know that you need to get past that mindset because the number one voice. That any voice actor. If you go to any Comic-Con and meet any voice actor, Tara Strong, uh, you know, any of the, the big voice actors from any of the big video games and animations and say, what's the be- what's the most important voice that I should master? The answer is always your own. You've got to master your own. In fact, most cartoon voices are really just that actor's voice, maybe with a slight variation, you know, maybe with an accent, maybe, you know, with a slightly different, you know, if I were going to play an old man, it would still be this voice. I just kind of relax the muscles in my mouth and I get a little breath here. I slow down, I imagine that I'm wearing a big backpack, I maybe mean, a 40, 50 pound backpack and everything's just a little slower and the mouth is a little lazier. And then you say, in my day, the internet was called books, you know, and that's how you play an old man, but it's still this voice, you know? If I were going to play somebody's mother, it would still be this voice. (laughs) You just you just get a little more, raise your eyebrows up a little bit more, and you say, "Well, honey, everybody eats peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at school sometimes." That's you know you know you just this is your voice to play a mother. So it's really not you know most of us can't do eight hundred voices. Yeah, (laughs) you know if you notice my voice in the Five Nights at Freddy's games is just this voice, uh, but a little more infomercial. It seems you had some trouble with the keypad. You know, that's me. It's but it's still this voice, you know. That's what got the job was this voice. Actually back in the day, I still hadn't really mastered my southern accent. And so I can hear it all over those games from 2016. So yeah. That was a lot of advice for somebody wanting to get into the the thing.
0: And um you had mentioned too that there's you've got a conference coming up. Oh,
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's a big voiceover conference. Well, there's several throughout the year, but the biggest voiceover conference where professionals in voiceover and aspiring professionals gather is VO Atlanta. And it's spelled just like VO Atlanta. And it meets in Atlanta, as one might imagine, in March. Uh, And this year, I am the director of the children's program, which is a, a, a satellite program of VO Atlanta. And we take kids from eight to 17. Uh, and we break them up into two groups and all throughout the day. And we've got coaches and casting directors and agents and other kids who are successful in voiceover uh, and parents of voiceover. And, and uh, the kids just spend two whole days developing into voice actors. Parents can come to a little bit of it, but most the, but there's like the opening thing and like there's a panel where agents and stuff talk. But the parents typically just hang out at the pool there at the Hilton while their kids go to the voiceover conference, but it's a conference and it's expensive. And so is travel to Atlanta, you know, so it's not, you know, a comic con type event where you would go and spend $30 and get to meet celebrities, but it's a professional conference where if you're serious, you know, if, if it's really a career field, you're exploring, um, it's a good thing to go to. So look up VO Atlanta, uh, the children's program and, and I'm directing it, but I'll, I'll present one of the sessions at it, you know, where kids will get up and read. Uh, and it's similar a lot of times at comic cons voice actors will have a, a panel and I've done this where it's like how to audition for video games and people in the audience come and they just like listen to it all. But some people are brave enough to get up to the mic, you know, and they read and then I'll say, okay, now do it like this. And they do it. Uh, but it's not really good training because it's a comic con and, you know, we've got to, you know, but if you're in a 90 minute session with a professional casting director, and there's only 12 of you in there, everybody gets to read and get legitimate quality feedback And you get to do that all day long. And so it's really good, good training. You know, on the adult side of that conference, whenever I go, I feel like I've gotten a six month boost. You know, I feel like I'm six months further ahead in my career than where I was before the weekend. Um, And you come out energized and you come out with a to-do list a mile long of things you want to do to make sure you're going to make this happen. And the children are allowed to go to the adult sessions, you know, so if you look at the at the schedule and you're like, I don't really want to go to this improv session. We should go to the improv sessions, but, um, and then over in the adult conference is, uh, you know, they're having a a panel with somebody who wants, who's talking about how to grow your social media following. You know, last year we had a guy speak at the conference who had 7 million followers on TikTok, uh, Stefan Johnson Hmm. and Stefan talked about how to grow your social media following and how to leverage that in your business as a voice actor. Um, you know, that might be something that you want to, skip at the children's conference and go over and, and do that, you know, or sometimes there's a speaker, um, uh, last year at the children's conference, we had the voice actress, um, from SpongeBob, you know, so that's something everybody always wants to go, you know, whenever there's somebody of note, somebody somewhat famous, then everybody wants to, to go to that, but it's a good conference. You should go to it. If you're interested in being a voice actor, seriously interested, you know, it's part of that money. I talked about having to spend.
0: Yeah. The time and the money. Yeah. Um before before we start recording, you had kinda you and I were talking a little bit about AI. How do you like what's your thoughts on AI and voice acting and if you don't mind?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm a little more pessimistic about it than the rest of my industry, I think. Um, you know, the consensus among voice talent is is that AI is gonna come in and take over the low paying stuff. Uh, and it already is. I mean, I, I had a peer post something on Facebook the other day and said, yeah, I just got replaced by AI. You know, so if you're on Fiverr doing $5, $10, $30 voiceovers, um, those companies are very likely to replace you with AI. Because AI may be $30 for the year, you know, as opposed to $30 every time they need a voiceover. The companies that are spending four, five, six hundred $600 per voiceover or more – are less likely to go that way because they're willing to pay more for quality. Uh, They, they, like most voice actors, know that AI currently cannot replicate the human element. Um, But, you know, if you're doing $30 and you're just doing an e-learning course on how to prevent sexual harassment, and you don't, I've always told people, you know, you should use a computer-based voice as long as you don't care about the results of the production you're making. Uh, And so, you know, if you just need to have a video on how to prevent sexual harassment so that your employees are forced to watch it and then you're covered, <laughs> you know, so anytime there's an incident at your company, you're safe. Your employees are held liable because they were forced to watch that terrible video with the terrible narration. I just watched and, one last night, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they're terrible. Um, But if you want the human element in it, if you want someone who understands what they're reading and who kind of understands the nuance, understands the audience – uh, understand storytelling, and who can respond to direction pretty quickly. Like if you came back to me and said, we'd like it to be just a little more cheerful. Maybe if you could put just a little more smile on this. This is kind of a dry topic, but uh, we're still friendly. I, could, I can change that instantly, whereas an, an, an AI operator, you know, I think we're going to see the rise of operators who can say, make this a little more cheerful, and they know what to do to make AI sound that way. But, you know, the common user like you and me is just picking a voice out off a website. We don't know how to manipulate that that way. So I I think we'll see the rise of people who can manipulate AI voices pretty well. Um, But right now, today, AI is not able to replicate the human element. It's not able to sound sad if it's talking about his mother dying or it's not able to sound. um, However, I am pessimistic enough to think that it will be there soon. They're trying to get it there now, so it's not like they've. It's not like they're stopping trying. There's geeks working on this stuff eighty hours a week, thousands of geeks working on this eighty hours a week to make this happen. And there's thousands of them out there trying to steal existing voices, and so we're real worried about that in the voiceover industry. And that's part of the strike right now with the actors' union, and probably the video game strike that's about to happen. We've authorized a video game strike; it hasn't begun yet. Um, but a lot of that is the AI harvesting and implementing measures to protect us all from the AI uh, horde that's advancing. But um, I think it's too little, too late. I think it's already happening. I've heard my voice on the internet using racial slurs, and I've and and I've gotten it removed, and I've been able to do that. But um, yeah, I've even had people comment on TikTok, "Did you say this?" And I was like, "What are you even talking about?" You know, and people, nobody would tell me what they were talking about. Finally, I found it and I was like, yeah, this has got to go. Um, but the, uh, there's, there was a website for a while that had Hand Units voice from Five Nights at Freddy's and you could make it say whatever you wanted to make it say. And so, and that's already out there. And it's going to happen for on camera actors too. I mean, people were saying 10 years ago that, you know, we could copy Harrison Ford now and we can have Harrison Ford in a movie 80 years from now when Harrison Ford isn't around anymore, you know, or, you know, but God, the implications of that are just, I'm like, have you guys never read any science fiction at all? I mean, science fiction authors are brilliant. Like the, the good science fiction, Star Wars to me is not good science fiction. It's just an adventure film set in space, but good science fiction. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Star Wars.
0: It's no, I'm, I'm with you, but it is more just an adventure story. It's than- just a Western,
1: you know, it's just, it's just a great movie set in space, but good science fiction like Isaac Asimov novels and stuff, really look at where could technology take us and how will that change us? You know, and, you know, so like I read a great Isaac Asimov short story one time about clones. And in the future, clones were common. They were just clones walking around. And Star Wars explores that a little bit. I mean, is it really okay to clone a guy 800 times and just make all those people warfaring people for their whole life? Are those people? Are we allowed to do that with them? That's basically slavery, or is it? Do they count? I've heard that
0: debate at my local GameStop.
1: Can they vote? You know, but that's what Isaac Asimov is exploring. And in his world that he had created, clones were kind of treated as second-class citizens, kind of the way we treated African-Americans in the late 1800s here in the United States, you know, where they had separate water fountains and separate uh, schools and separate places. And it was like, you know, if somebody found out you were a clone, suddenly their attitude changed entirely about you. And it was just kind of a neat... But it's always a good exploration of where we're going and what's that going to be like. And so if we can completely replicate humans convincingly by voice and eventually by image, well, that's a lot. there's a lot of implications from that. How is that going to be used for evil? Yeah. You know, when we can make the president, whoever the president is and is going to be and you know, 10, 15 years from now when Trump and Biden are, are long gone – we can make him say whatever we want convincingly. Is he even real? You know, does he? I mean, is he? Is he even a real person? You know, I've never seen him in person. You
0: that know, was the it's, plot of the two thousand three, two thousand two. Uh, the Dark Knight Strikes Again, the Batman graphic novel that was a yeah. sequel to Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, Lex Luthor had an AI president it's that just he ran. Good
1: science fiction. That's just good stuff, man. And it's really, you know. Think of any technology. Where's that going to get? Time travel. You know what implications does time travel bring? You know, think of uh, flying cars. What implications does that bring? Think if we had a rocket train going through part of the crust of the Earth to get us from Chicago to China in two hours. What implications does that have? That flattens the world, man. When you've got China and United States two hours apart, you know it's uh, there's so much. What, What comes from that? That's the fun science fiction to me. I really. Um, you know, it's really fun to, you know, Have what you, if animals could, talk, what if we had technology where animals could talk, you know, you could put something on them and they could talk and we really could talk with them. What implications would come to that if we found out that dolphins were even smarter than we are? Um, you know, and, you know, what would, what would come from, you know, anything? What, what if there are aliens? What implications come from that? You know, and it's just, just really, really fun to think of. Have you, uh, watched Black Mirror ever? just the first episode and it was so disturbing i never watched another one okay so <laughs> I've i heard was, they're not quite as bad but i
0: was told when i w- it was recommended to me don't ever watch the first episode and just go past that mm-hmm. um so i've never seen the first episode um there's a recent episode that deals with ai and voice acting and acting um really? it's called joan is awful and saw stars selma hayek um but uh a Lower level business. I have seen
1: world. it. I've seen it. You've seen that? I've seen parts of it. Yeah. How did I see, How did I see that? It, I think my wife was watching it. My wife was watching it, and I was going in and out from from work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But just that uh, based on the terms and conditions we all signed for everything without reading it, mm-hmm. that it gave uh, what was effectively Netflix and the show the rights to recreate a show about your life Using solely AI Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what it recorded from your phone and your conversations and your devices throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And so the Joan one was just the prototype. They were going to roll one out for everybody's life. Wow. Uh, That would be and you would be watching, you would be able to watch your day and everyone would be able to watch your day as a acted out series at the end of the day. And, great story <laughs> a great storyline and so and it was like everybody else and you would always get a level up in who was playing you so like uh the actress uh I forgot who was playing the the Joan in the show she her story was played by Selma Hayek uh-huh. um but in the in the Selma Hayek version of the world that show also existed on Netflix and Selma Hayek was played by Kate Blanchett <laughs> and so everybody just kind of like leveled up. Um but you know and that was just one of those things it's like it's just so it's like that's completely you know <laughs> plausibly feature.
1: It really is. Yeah. It's kind of Truman Trumanesque from the Truman show but uh, it, uh on a whole other level but just what 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 a great storyline. But yeah, I remember that now. And I remember it was Black Mirror and I remember saying to my wife, "Oh, I thought we weren't going to watch this anymore." She said, "Well, I heard that the rest of it was Nothing like episode one. Episode one was so disturbing that I saw it three or four years ago and still am bothered by it. Uh, I mean, it's it's really, and that that's why I've never watched it that one. Mm-hmm. But it, it was a great commentary on the depravity of us and how far we've fallen. It was just, uh, I mean, it was a neat, but it was just the, it was just framed so disturbingly, and I don't, I mean, I don't want to.
0: No, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. And it, but, and it it's one of those, some of those are gold. Some of those are like, I never want to see that again. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that just one on the AI and voice acting thing just was, you know, voiceover was one of the things that really stood out to me. Well, man, is there anything else? Or if people want to go to check out your work or to find out more about you, where should um, they go?
1: Andyfield voiceover.com is, uh, is where I am. You know, it's just my name. And if you Google, I mean, I've, I've, I've made it my business to do this. So if you Google Andy Field voice actor, typically one of the first few websites to pop up is my, is my professional website. But then also, you know, the IMDB profiles pop up and all that. And, uh, some of my profiles on some of those voiceover websites pop up. But yeah, Andy Field voice, voice actor, voiceover. If you Google any of that stuff, it's probably the easiest way to, to get there or com, And I'm on all the social medias except Snapchat, I think. You know, TikTok is my big one. I haven't put anything on there in a while. But my goal on TikTok was to be more popular than my daughter. Um, and she was because she's a musician in Nashville. And she had like, I don't know, 39,000 followers on TikTok. And I was like, I got to beat that. And so I beat it. I'm at like 42. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super far i'm not at seven million like stefan johnson but um um, but i'm on youtube and tiktok and instagram and facebook and and all that stuff so
0: that's how you do it sweet is there anything else you'd want to leave the people
1: uh no well if you're five nights at freddy's fan watching this i guess you need to hear me say exotic butters and then that's it
0: (laughs) thanks for joining us everybody thank you And uh, just let you know again that Faith and Fandom podcast is part of the Love Thy Nerd Network. You can check that out over at slash faith and fandom. And you can find all the episodes there uh, and uh, weeks, months before you'll see it anywhere else. So thanks again for joining us.